chapter 16 with me, and I want to minister from uh, Luke chapter 16. Praise the Lord. Good to serve Jesus. Can you say amen? Luke chapter 16. There's a, a tremendous uh, thing happening in the world today. There's a financial or money crunch. And becoming uh, very serious, as a matter of fact, Probably we're living today in some of the most serious days in our lifetime. Uh, I was a young boy in the uh, in the depression. I was a young boy, young uh, person in World War II, and the days in which you and I live, and the days that are immediately upon us and confronting us as people are as serious as any that we have come through in the last half century in this nation and also in the world. Now, if you do not realize that, then you live in a world all your own. And the central issue this morning for uh, the American family is becoming very rapidly the subject of survival. Inflation last year was 13, I believe, point two or point seven percent. The mortgage rate has gone to astronomical proportions and just the normal flow of commerce that you and I know to obtain automobiles, to obtain housing, etc. The prime rate having risen to fifteen and a half percent presently has all but priced out of the of the of the market of the common uh, family, any type of housing of any kind. And so in the midst of this, we are suddenly confronted with, and I'm sure that many in this building are coming to face to face with the reality, though there was a subtle creeping, it was this year that most of us had to come to grips with the reality that inflation is more than a statistic that's come in the paper. It suddenly has affected things that we do day by day. And survival has become uh, very certainly an important subject for us, material and financial survival. So as believers, as we sit in this building this morning, it is uh, very important that we gain a perspective of where we are, it's important that we gain a perspective of what God says, what God will do, where we are in our relationship with the Lord is tremendously important. And I want to minister this, e this morning on a passage of Scripture, Luke 16, and I want to minister on a subject entitled The Money Crunch. And there are four laws in the Word of God that help us to have a balance this morning as you and I face this and we have to come to grips with and grasp reality in the present world in which we live. And I'm going to minister from these four laws and I'd like to use Luke 16, verses 9 through 13 as a beginning text. Luke 16, 9 through 13. 
I'll read that out loud if you just will follow there as I read. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, this passage of Scripture could literally be translated, make to yourselves friends by means of unrighteous money, that when it fails, this would be a literal translation of that passage, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. To most of you, that is not a new passage of Scripture. And to most of you, the subject at hand is not one that has not been contemplated. But I feel it would be valuable for you and I this morning as we sit in this building to reflect again as we come face to face, each of us in this building, with a money crunch, with the laws that God says will help us catch a balance in the day in which we live. First law I want to mention to you is the law of currency exchange. To understand this is basic to the understanding of God's working in material realm in the earth. In the kingdom of God, there are principles and laws that have to do with our use of money that are not in accord with natural law. Basic to an understanding of the Word of God, basic to an understanding of the principle of divine revelation is that God is at work in the earth and in the principle of God clearly outlined and often emphasized, we come to an understanding that in the kingdom of God there are laws and there are principles that are operative that are not in accord with the natural law of this life. Can anybody say amen to that? Now this is a fascinating study as you begin to study this. And in this same passage of Scripture, which we did not uh, uh, read, or rather uh, Luke 12, another, another companion passage of Scripture, which we did not read, it tells us a story of a, of a true man. Jesus tells this. He talks about a certain rich man. And he says this certain rich man had uh, an abundance. He be, was involved in the normal... Uh, involvement of commerce in his business. He was in agriculture. And in his business performance, it says that his ground brought forth bountifully in an abundance, more than he needed. And so he meditates to himself and he says, what am I going to do? As he meditates upon this, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build more barns and bigger barns. And I'm going to take that abundance that I have, that wealth that I have, and I'm going to take it, I'm going to store it up, and I'm going to feel comfortable for many days because I'm going to make this a resource that I can live and the future can be very secure. And the Scripture says that God 
spoke to him and said, You fool, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. And then Jesus says these tremendous words, So is everyone that leaves a treasure for himself that is on earth and is not rich towards God. Now there's a law at work in earth that's called the law of currency exchange. That law of currency exchange has to do with our use of our material substance upon earth. And one principle that has to do with that was the mistake that the rich man made in that he had more than enough for his own purposes, more than enough for his own use. He was already sufficient. He was already wealthy. And rather than considering his heart, what can I do for God, he took no consideration and he said, I'm going to gather it up and store it up so that not only do I have enough, but I'm going to have more than enough over what I have now. John D. Rockefeller was asked, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money does it take to make a man happy? How much money does it take to satisfy a man? John D. Rockefeller said, just a little more. See, that's a basic principle of the human heart. To you and I, the word of the Lord comes to us and begins to minister to us and let us to understand that God is not unrighteous. He does not harbor in himself a hatred of you and I that will have a bank account, a place to live that is not evil before God. But one thing that God does look upon, and he looks upon us, and as he looks upon us, he is looking for a heart that understands and a heart that will put their surplus into ministering currency and that will exchange it for that which ministers in the kingdom of God. And we do that by turning our surplus into ministering currency. And in doing so, we become rich towards God. Luke 12, 33, Jesus said to the disciples in a part of their discipleship preparation, the little flock that he had, he said, sell that you have, give alms, provide for yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. And in doing so, he is putting forth a principle that I've touched on previously, that there's something about our use of material wealth that is in the kingdom of God, that as we use it, there's something that transpires in the heavenly realm, and there not only is that credit that we have with God, but there is a resource to our account that has to do with the present life, and that is a hedge that God looks upon as we turn our resources into ministering currency. It has to do with a life to come, but it also has to do with a life that we presently live. You can pick up your paper today and you'll find all kinds of schemes and plans concerning hedges on inflation. The present rage has to do with metals, basically gold and silver. And if you're knowledgeable at all, you know that the present tremendous prices that these metals are bringing 
are not because these metals are worth what is being paid, but because people are losing confidence in the currency that they carry in their pocket and trying to look ahead and hedge against inflation and secure their future, they're investing, and now we're even being told that the common copper penny that we're carrying in our pocket is now worth a dollar and sixteen cents a hundred. The reason being that people are grasping to themselves, trying to secure for their future, and trying to hedge against these things by these methods. But the Scripture says clearly, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And this was a prophecy that came to a people who had learned the law of currency exchange. They had invested in the kingdom of God. They had put their confidence in God and His power. And that prophetic utterance came with an impact from the Apostle Paul. And he said, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I assure you, my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus because they had learned the law of currency exchange. Paul speaks in 1 Timothy and he says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God that giveth us richly all things to enjoy that they do good, that they be rich in good works, they be ready to distribute, they be willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold upon eternal life. When he speaks about uh, storing up for themselves, he is literally saying, and there's a connotation in the word that has to do not only with eternity, but it also has to do with time, and it means literally treasure away. And he says that there's something about that, that as we are good stewards and we are faithful in the law of currency exchange, that there is a factor that goes to work in our behalf, whereby there's a treasuring away that God sees and God ministers in this present life. Secondly, I want you to talk, I want to talk this morning about the law of justice. No man ever works for someone else. Great mistake of our generation is that uh, they have grown up in a generation that feels that you need to do as little as you can do and uh, just enough to keep from getting fired and getting your paycheck. And if you've done that, you've, you've, you've done all that's required of you. Being ignorant of one principle in life, and that principle in life is, though you may be employed by someone else, no man ever works for someone else. He is always working for himself. The reason is, is that there is a law of justice at work in the earth. And the kingdom of God has an astounding truth that has to do with this, and this is mentioned several places. One of these is in the epistle of James, where James writes to the church, a church that is living in difficult times, a church that uh, is living in, a, in an area of persecution, a church that is living in a, in a circumstance uh, where many of them were being unjustly abused. 
sometimes because of their testimony. And as he writes to them, he says a tremendous word, Be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. In James 5, 4, this comes out of this context, the words that I've just quoted, and he says these words, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is kept by you in fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sebaoth. He's talking about employee-employer. He's talking about people who are unjustly abused, who are underpaid, who have been exploited and become underprivileged in the employment realm. And as he talks about this, he says, Brethren, don't lose the victory. Brethren, keep your eyes upon the coming of the Lord Jesus because you need to understand that the cries of exploitation and the cries of desperation and misery have entered into the Lord and he has keeps good records and he has this down in his book and he's going to make it right. You still following me? We have a man named Jacob. One of the most exciting narrations in all the Bible is Jacob that has to do with this subject. Goes into Haran where his uncle Laban is. The Bible gives a long narration. We're not going to go into all the details. But it says clearly that while he was there working for his uncle, an employee, it says plainly in the Bible, among some other shenanigans that were pulled uh, concerning women, which we're not going to worry about that this morning, it says that Laban changed his wages ten times while he was there. He made an agreement with him, broke the agreement, made an agreement with him, broke the agreement, made an agreement with him, changed the conditions, uh, had an understanding went back on it and exploited this man. And Jacob says, in the Word of God, it says, ten times Laban did this to this man. And the Scripture records that before God brought Jacob out of that land, he came out a very, very wealthy man in spite of that because there's a law of justice in the earth. God keeps records. God keeps books. And may I say to you again, none of us ever work for someone else. All men always are working for themselves. And this astounding truth, we need to commit to God and come to an understanding that God is the one that is looking upon all circumstances and all accounts. The land of Egypt. God's people are in Egypt. They're exploited. They're enslaved. They're persecuted. In the material realm, these people have received wages that are wages of injustice. But the Scripture records an astounding thing, that before these people are come up and delivered out of Egypt, that the Bible says that God worked in their behalf a tremendous miracle, that His Spirit went to work in that land, and they went to their neighbors and said, Give me all the gold, give me all the silver, give me all the jewels you have, give me everything that's of value. And as they went out of that land, the Bible says that the land of Egypt was plundered as God balanced the books, and His people went out with the books balanced because God keeps right. How many of you ever worked at a job where you were ripped? Let's see your hand. God is looking 
my friend, upon the affairs of this world. And there's a law of justice at work that we need to understand that God is not ignorant, nor is he one that does not take notice of the law of justice that operates in the material realm. I've experienced this myself. I know exactly how you folk feel. I know what it is to give forth uh, superior labor and superior quality and dedication and have it not appreciated and have it not uh, immediately returned and it looked like uh, that it was useless. You might as well just be a slob like everybody else that's working in the market. If I could, if I could use Charlie Foster again as an example, I've talked with Charlie, man of God that I've loved for some years that have been saved in this body and uh, he's a, he's an expert a uh, meat man. He knows meat. He's a blessing. Always was a blessing wherever he worked. And Charlie Foster made uh, a lot of people a lot of money. And I counseled with him. And uh, and for years uh, uh, that uh, it, it seemed like uh, that uh, nothing was ever going to work out for him. That all he was going to do is make money for somebody else. He'd manage a meat market and the meat market would boom. It would flourish and uh, money would be made for other people and people would renege on promises or they wouldn't come fully through with what they, 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 they should have been doing and take full appreciation. But I, in talking with Charlie, said, Charlie, hang in there. God knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. And in the process of time, the God who keeps books, my friend, that has a law of justice in the earth has rewarded our brother and has took knowledge upon him and worked a miracle in his behalf and today he's a blessed man because he understands and knows that no man ever works for someone else. There's a law of the double portion. Most of us are familiar with Elijah's mantle event. Principle that came out of that mantle circumstance was that Elijah followed Elijah. As he followed him he was faithful. This is the principle that is taught through the entire circumstance, he asked for a double portion of the Spirit. And as he asked for a double portion of the Spirit, it came out the reward of the double portion of the Spirit, came out of the reward of faithfulness. Now, in the kingdom of God, there's a law that has to do and relates to the money crunch that has to do with the law of double portion. And this is a tremendous truth that you and I need to understand and basically practice as we are involved in the money crunch today. We have a man named Job. If Job were around today, he would never make the publications that come from Tulsa or Dallas. Because his story is from riches to rags. You don't ever find any of those stories coming out of Tulsa or Dallas. It's always rags to riches. But Job's is a story of riches to rags. Here's a man that was blessed of God. Here's a man that was faithful. Here's a man that loved God. Here's a man that worshipped. Here's a man that served God. And the Scripture says that he was a very wealthy man. His substance was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East tells his story in the book of Job. But the story that it tells is a story of riches to rags. 
One day the news comes in and says, Job, I was out in the field and uh, disaster struck and uh, calamity came and we find that he went from a very wealthy man, from the greatest man of the greatest of the East and the wealthiest, that he came to a dung heap stripped of every material substance that was his until he was totally reduced to a place of humility and he lifts up his voice to God and says, The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the scripture says, Job did not sin with his mouth. Now there's a tremendous lesson in this. This lesson that we have is a lesson of faithfulness. Because the law of double portion that has to do with our material septum has to do with the attitude that we have. It has to do with the words that come out of our mouth when we have to have our riches to rag story. Still with me? See, it's a... One thing to be blessing God when everything is working wonderfully, when you have a job, when things are pouring in, when the answer is laying in your hand, when in your capability or the resources for everything that may come your way. But it's another thing when there are no resources and when you are brought to your personal riches to rag story and there's a trial of your faith that has to do with what God has recorded in His Word concerning His love, His provision, and His overseeing of your life. And the key to the law of double portion depends greatly on what you do with your mouth in those circumstances and the attitude that you take in your heart. And I'll have to confess that most of the people that I deal with in the modern body of Jesus Christ are people that one financial reverse or one circumstance that doesn't seem to turn out in blessing, and the next thing you know, they've accused the preacher, they've accused the church, they've accused God, they've accused their brethren, they've accused the United States, they've accused the world, and, uh, and uh, if they could find anybody else, they'd accuse them. But here was a man who was faithful. Job did not sin with his mouth, and Job was faithful, and he said, The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he did not charge God foolishly and say, God's made a mistake somewhere. He's gone to sleep. But he was faithful to the testimony of God, and he proved that he did not serve God for what he could get out of God, but he served God for what he was, and in doing that, he was a man that was faithful, and as he was faithful, he released the law of double portion in his own life, and the Scripture says there came a time when God not only healed his body, but there came unto him all of his brethren and all of his sisters and all they that had been his acquaintances before, and they did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and everyone an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 oak of oxen, and 1,000 
She asks, this came out of faithfulness. The law of the double portion comes out of being faithful to God. This is a tremendous lesson that our generation desperately needs to learn. We are of the swingy, TV-oriented generation that uh, have been taught that gain is godliness, has been taught that blessing is money, has been taught uh, that if you really have faith, if you really are saved, if you really love God, that you're never going to have a worry, you're never going to have a pain, you're never going to have a shortage, you're never going to need a job, you're never going to have any kind of testing, but you're going to ride into heaven on a glory train and a gravy train besides, and you won't find it in the Bible, but you'll find the promise of God, the integrity of God, the character of God, and God says, I am that I am. I see you where you are. I know where you hurt. I know you're testing. I want you to look up and worship me in it all because I'm in control. And when we do that, my friend, we release in our lives the law of the double portion that has to do with the material substance that you and I are stewards of in earth. And it is important that we understand that and important that we know that because it doesn't always happen the day after our problem begins to manifest. Can you? to bring your attention to the law of kingdom returns. These laws are immutable laws. These laws and the word of the Lord are unchangeable. God has exalted his word in the heavens above and the earth beneath, and this word has integrity. It is immutable. It is unchangeable. You can count on the word of God. It works for every generation, it works for every culture, it works for every person, it works for all circumstances, all situations, and the word of the Lord absolutely has integrity. But God does not always pay on Friday. We have a hard time with that because if we are working in an archaic circumstance, we may get paid on the 1st and 15th. But most of us know what it is to get paid on Friday. But God does not pay on Friday. He pays when he gets ready to pay. How come? Well, because he's God. That's how come. Well, why, why, why? why, That's just how it is. I'm not running the show. You're not running the show. He's in charge, just like the boss in your job is in charge. He's in charge. The things that you do, things that you uh, contend with, things that you're involved in, that uh, is because your boss is in charge. But the kingdom investment is still the best return percentage-wise of any investment you will ever make. I was sitting at a table talking with several men some time ago, and uh, they were discussing... Uh, this uh, this present thing in the gold, and one of these men had a friend that that uh, dealt in gold futures, 
And he said, man, that guy has made a fortune overnight. And uh, he said, uh, if, uh, if uh, he invested in gold futures, and he said, man, if, if we just had 10,000, if you and I just had 10,000 and we'd invested in gold futures, he said, man, I'm going to tell you that we can make Now, this is a Christian man. Matter of fact, he was an evangelist of sorts, uh, kind of a singing evangelist, I think, of him came. And, uh, and, uh, and, and here he was, money-grubbing that he'd missed the boat when he, when he didn't have uh, any money to invest in gold futures because he'd have, he'd have been a, almost a millionaire at the present. Well, God's uh, law of kingdom returns is not, uh, is, is not uh, uh, have to do with gold futures. It's kind of like playing dice up in Vegas. Sometimes it comes up seven, sometimes it comes up snake eyes. One of these days, right soon, this is all going to come up snake eyes. You better have an investment where it counts when it comes up snake eyes, because you better believe me, it is coming up snake eyes. You don't understand that, and you're too churchy, and you've never been out in the real world, then you just ask somebody what that means. That means you lose. See, the law of kingdom returns as give. It shall be given unto you good measure, shaken down, running over it. Shall men give into your bosom, for with such measure as you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you. This is the immutable word of God. It does not work like a slot machine. You put in something, you get something back out, maybe. It works in kingdom principles that the kingdom principle is, you put it in, there's a law of returns that has to do with God's percentage, and it comes back as He will. But it comes back with far greater percentage and with far more certainty than any gamble that we may take uh, or any investment that we may make uh, or any hedge that we might be trying to uh, beat the wrath uh, in the present hour, it comes back in 30 and 60 and 100-fold. 30%, 60%, and 100% uh, percent returns are uh, kingdom returns, uh, and this is the percentages with which God works, uh, and the Scripture declares that this is the immutable word, and this is the principle that God works by. And the Bible says, the scripture that I've rather quoted this morning, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me. Now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, the only place in the Bible that it says to prove me, and it, this word storehouse has connotations that are far-reaching as it's moved from the Old Testament to the New. It has to do, the little word is a depository, and God says, I want you to prove me there are kingdom returns that have to do with the divine depository. The tenth is the Lord and offerings besides. In the story of Jacob, I saw something this morning that I never ever saw before. And this is found in Genesis 31 as God calling Jacob back out of Haran into the promised land. The angel of the Lord spake to Jacob 
in a dream, saying, Jacob, and he said, Here am I, and he said, Lift up your eyes and see. All the rams which leap upon the cattle were ring-straked and speckled and grizzled. He's letting him understand where the blessing that he's just received that's brought the wealth into his hand has come from. Wasn't any scheme or engineering that he did. And then he says these potent words, For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel. Listen to me. Where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest a vow unto me. I've never, ever seen that before. God saying to Jacob, Jacob, now Jacob has been in the land at least 21 years. Some commentators say he's been there 40 years. So at least 21 years before this time, he's had a wonderful visitation of God in a dream. He sees a ladder going into heaven, the angels of God ascending and descending, and God speaking to him, said, I'm the father of your father, I'm the God of your father Abraham, and the father of Isaac. I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to go with you where you're going. I'm going to keep you, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you provision, and I'm going to take care of you. And then he speaks to him in this land. As Jacob heard those words, he said, Lord, of all that you give me, if you're going to do that for me, of all that you give me, I will surely give to you the tenth. Now we find him perhaps 21 years later. He's a wealthy man. He's blessed of God. He has an abundance of flocks and herds. He's inherited uh, from uh, Abraham. He's inherited from Isaac. Uh, he's... Uh, he's uh, he uh, has this uh, in possession in the family realm. He's brought out of Haran all the blessing that God has brought him to add uh, to him there while he's in Haran. He's coming back into the land, and God says to him as he pulls him back into the land, I'm the God now that has brought to pass this multiplication of your wealth. Now I'm the God that was the God of Bethel where you vowed a vow unto me. And that vow was, to give the tenth of all the blessing that I would bring to you. And now God is saying, literally, now I'm balancing the books, Jacob. That I see what Laban has done to you. I'm the one that blessed the ring straked and the speckled and the grizzled cattle. I'm the one that brought you this great bounty. And now I'm balancing the books. And the reason I'm balancing the books is so that you can bring the tithe to serve my purposes. I never, ever saw that before. Are you still with me? The law of kingdom returns. The law of kingdom returns are involving our giving. It involves our tithing. It involves a principle that is the principle of bringing into the depository. There's a divine depository, and God says the tenth is holy. It does not belong to us. It belongs to him and offerings besides. And, beloved, you can be very sure from reading this ancient scripture and the new also, you can be very sure that God takes very special notice of what we have in our hands of material substance. Here is God who has not appeared to Jacob for many years. Suddenly, out of the past comes 
from the scene begins to bring him to an understanding powerfully that he has been at work in his life and says, Now, Jacob, I've been at work in your life. Now, I'm remembering the vow that you made to me concerning your tithe. Now, I want you to come back into the land so that you can serve my purposes. And he takes special note of that fact concerning the tithe when he calls him back into the land to serve him. The Word of God is no accident. We serve a God who has laws that are at work. And I want you to know that God's people have something going for them that transcends economics, transcends national destinies, transcends world circumstances, transcends human capability. God's people have something going for them that is linked to heaven, hallelujah, that God has noticed where we are, who we are, what we're involved in, what we hold in our hands. He is operative in our lives, and four laws are at work in earth, my friend, concerning the material substance, and God looks down upon us, and he says these things transcend all earthly events. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. No one's moving around for a moment. No one looking around. The laws of God. The money crunch. The money crunch. is real. It has to do with all of us. We each are wrestling in our individual circumstances and each must consider and each must come to grips with and reckon with and calculate it is affecting every family that is in this building this morning it is affecting every individual that's in this building but you can count my friend on God after pastoring many years being saved many years I can say to you without qualification these laws that I have spoken on are laws that I have seen at work in my life and the lives of others. You can count on God. Law of currency exchange. Law of the double portion. Law of kingdom return. These are all laws that are opposite in our lives. I wonder why we're bowed for a moment in prayer. There are people here this morning Perhaps you're not a Christian and some of the things I've spoken about you didn't fully understand, but wow, when I begin to preach on things that have to do with everyday affairs, a God that is involved in and knowledgeable about and intervenes in and is powerfully at work in such things as you're making a living for your family. A God like that is a God that is worthy of our acquaintanceship and worthy of our worship and worthy of our adoration that can take such care of creatures like you and I. God who is so knowledgeable about our affairs that something that we could vow 24 years ago he doesn't forget, takes notice of, works in our behalf concerning and one day then can bring back to our remembrance and say to us I'm the God that was operative in your life Now I've blessed you heretofore and I want you now to I want you to bring you back to the pungence of that experience all the glorious ramifications of it 
and all the far-reaching consequences of it. And I call you back now to that experience, and I want you to bring with you the material substance I've laid in your hand, and the tent belongs to me. That's a God that's worth serving. While our heads are bowed, there are people here in this building that are unsaved. There are people here this morning that are backslidden. But oh, your heart yearns for the security that comes from serving a God of wondrous blessing such as this. I do not say to you that if you serve him, you'll never know another day's problems or troubles. I have not declared that. That's not the gospel. I do declare that he will be with you. He will help you. He will work in powerful and miraculous way beyond your capability. If you turn your life over to him and give your life to him and serve him in love and adoration and obey him, be faithful to him. I wonder while we're pausing for a moment, how many are sitting here? You'd say, I'm not saved this morning, Pastor, but I'd really like to know Jesus as my Savior. I know that he died for me, but I've just never surrendered my heart to him, given my life to him, and made him my Savior, that he changed me and cleansed me from my sin. He can do that for you this morning. Maybe you're a backslider. You've known that experience one time, but this morning you're not walking in the light of that. Well, you're seated right there. This is between you and God. I wonder how many would say, I'm not, I'm not saved or I'm a backslider, but I'd really like to have Jesus Christ come into my heart and life and God to become a reality. Would you slip your hand right up there where you're seated, all over this building? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? I need God. I'm not saved or I'm a backslider. But I don't want to be this way any longer. I want Jesus to come into my life and to help me. Would you slip your hand up right there where you're seated? Hallelujah. I'm talking about a God that's real, a God that loves you, a God that's concerned for you, a God that's operative in human beings in the affairs of life. Would you slip that hand right up and say, I don't understand everything you said, Pastor, but I understand one thing. I just really need God this morning. Would you pray for me before you change the order of this service? Would you slip your hand up right there where you're seated all over this building? How many would do that? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I need God. I'm a backslider. I'm unsaved, but I want Jesus as my Savior. Would you lift your hand right there where you're seated, all over the building? How many? Amen. Pausing for a moment, changing the appeal. Just for a moment, there are people here this morning, you're not a tither. Maybe you've been a tither and, and you're, not, you're not a faithful tither. The kind of tither I'm talking about, the faithful tither. This is a person who honors God with a tin. Maybe you are one who honors God with a tenth, but you simply will not honor him in offering as he's dealt with your heart and spoken to you about. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're a person, I don't know who all is here this morning, but you're a person that the story of the rich man could be written about you. If I ask you how much that it took to make you satisfied, you'd say, just a little more. Just a little more. And then I'm going to do something for God. You hear this morning you're not a tither? God's dealing with you about your finances? I want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, this morning I'm not a tither. God's dealing with me about finances. But this morning I go on record from this moment. I'll serve God with my money. Would you slip your hand up right there where you see it? All over this building, how many would there be? I'd serve God with my money, Pastor. 
I believe what you're preaching. I'm not a tither, but this morning I will become a tither. I will become a tither. Tither doesn't mean you drop a dollar in the offering once in a while or you give 50 bucks when you feel like it. It means you keep books with God. That's what it means to be a tither. And if you are not doing that, then you're not a tither. Sitting here this morning, the money crunch is coming upon this nation, my friend. The money crunch will come upon this town. And it behooves us to be found among those that are putting into practice the laws of God concerning finances. How many more? Lift your hands. Say, I'm not a tither. I want to, I want to begin right now, Pastor, right here where I'm sitting. I begin to be a tither this morning. Would you slip your hand right there where you're sitting? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'll become a tither. I haven't been a tither. Not honoring God with my ten. In the name of Jesus, I will become a tither. I want you to begin to speak in spirit, saints. I want you to begin to take dominion and authority over this service. In the name of Jesus, I bind the power of mammon. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I command you to release your hold upon these people. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over this assembly. I rebuke you, you vile, rebellious spirit. I command you to release in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands and begin to praise God, saints, right now where you're sitting. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed over this building this morning. There are people that are not tithers. There are people that have, that have broken uh, commitments you've made to God. There are people that are not honoring God with your substance. There are people that are not honoring God as a steward. There are people that you're in deep trouble in your spirit right now because of money. Would you slip your hand up where you're sitting and say, God, right now. I see the hand back there. Others, lift your hand right there where you're seated. I see a hand down here. Others, quickly. Spirit of God's in this building. There are people that are in deep trouble. God sees that hand. There are people that are in deep trouble because you're not doing the thing that I preached on. The devil's a liar. God's on the throne this morning. There's deliverance for you if you'll obey God. Would you lift your hand where you're seated? I see another hand back there. How many more? Lift your hand right where you're seated. I see that hand over there. How many more? Lift your hand right where you're seated. I'm not honoring God. I'm not a tither. I'm disobeying God in what he's spoken to me about. But from this moment, I obey God. Would you lift your hand? Faithfulness in trial is the key to the double portion. Would you lift your hand right where you're seated? How many more shall I become a tither? From this moment, I will honor God. I will obey God. I'll do what God's telling me to do. Lift your hand right where you're seated. How many more? See another hand back there. God bless an honest heart. How many more? Lifting your hand, joining these. Say, I'll, I'll honor God. How many more right now? 
lifting your hand right where you are. This is a moment of truth. This is a moment of decision. In this moment, you go upward with God for deliverance or you go down concerning condemnation and disobedience and the blessing of God lifts from your life. From this moment, you're brought to decision. Would you slip your hand right where you are? This is your hour. God's blessing you. How many more? Lift your hand. Join these all over this building. All over this building. I see another hand. How many more join these? From this moment, you enter into blessing. From this moment, you walk into liberty. From this moment, you walk into deliverance. Would you slip your hand up? Join these. All over this building. Quickly. Quickly. All over this building. Hands have been lifted everywhere. While everybody is bowing their head, no one's looking around. I want you to get up right where you're seated. I want you to come and hit this altar, begin to seal this work with God. Right now, quickly, get up from where you are and come and pray. Right now, quickly, God's dealing with your heart. I want you to come. God's dealing with your heart. This is by no means all that God is speaking to nor has spoken to. Come quickly, right now, God's dealing with your heart. Quickly, where you're seated, come quickly, God will meet your need. If you did not raise your hand, God's dealing with you. Get up out of your seat. Come and find a place to pray right here. God's going to meet your need and touch your heart. He's in this place to bring deliverance. I did not preach this for condemnation. I preached this to bring you glorious liberty. I preached this to bring you confidence in the hour of testing. I preached this to bring you God's blessing as you face the issues of the hour. There are people, many people still seated here that you are not responding to what God's saying to your heart. You need to get up right from where you are quickly. God's dealing with your heart. Would you come and find a place to pray? You are not responding to what God's dealing with your heart. Some of you are tithers. You've made commitments that you are, are, are trying to find an excuse not to, not to keep. Some of you hear God spoken to specifically concerning areas of ministry and stewardship, and you are not keeping those commitments. The God of Bethel is visiting you this morning calling you back to the place when he touched your heart. It might have been many years ago, but he's calling this one. I just feel that so potently. It could have been many years ago that God dealt with you. And the enemy is trying to shake you and to rob you of the great blessing that is yours. The God of Bethel is saying, Now I'm the one that's blessed you. Now I'm calling you to a total consecration, and I want you